Hey, one second. Get away. Hi. Well, hello. How are you? I'm sitting here at my quarantine desk looking out the window and across the street halfway down the block Action Bronson is on his terrace balcony shirtless doing a jump rope workout with his partner and it is quite the tableau in which to engage with this early Monday afternoon. You have great people watching outside of your apartment. This corner in particular, because we have Lilia right below us with that piano. So right. people like to do various photo shoots there. We have, there's like lots of space. Like we're not right on top of the building across the street because of the way that the, uh, the bend is. So we get really good light and it's just kind of a, a funky little thoroughfare that provides for some opportunities to get my phone and do some influencers in the wild <laughs> at and hashtag uh, I feel lucky about that's so that's kind of my setup right now uh, what are you doing and where are you um, I am just moisturizing my face right now <laughs> and I I'm um, I'm sitting in my uh, friend's living room in Washington, D.C. And she had to go back to work today, uh, which was kind of interesting. Um, I came down. Yeah, because you, you came down there to shelter in place, right? I did, yeah. I, I was starting to get really, really stir crazy in, in Brooklyn and New York and my you know, 750 square foot studio apartment that is great for me normally, but just was starting to feel pretty small and, you know, a fire escape is not really quite enough outdoor space and surely like walking around the block is fine. But I think like you can probably attest to the fact that it was start it's starting to feel pretty chaotic in New York. Did you feel, are you it's feeling that at all? I am. And where, where in Brooklyn? Where, where, are you in Williamsburg still? Yeah, I'm on Driggs in North 5th. Okay, so yeah, we're just a couple blocks from each other. And it's... How about this? You describe the vibe, because I am at a loss for words right now. So, uh, I, I will say one thing I, I was pleased about is when I was outside the last day I was there, which was um, Wednesday of last week, every single person that I saw out on the streets was wearing a mask and gloves. And it was pretty shut down. There was kind of like, I would say traffic cops and stuff on most of the corners. Have you, did you notice that at all? We haven't seen a lot of traffic cops on the corners. However, when you go to McCarran Park, there seems to be a reasonable police presence there. Yeah, which I'm thankful for because, you know, a few days before it was like you walk over to um, McCarran and, and what's the one next to it with the track and people are just like running around the track like it's a normal 
nice weathered Saturday, which felt a little it bit. Is, it's been popping off in McCarran, and I have uh, mixed feelings about that. Right. So I guess, I guess the feeling of chaos is kind of that con- contradiction, right? Where it's like people who are clearly starting to get really stir crazy and have been quarantined for two to three weeks um, and kind of have not exhibited symptoms and starting to feel like it might be okay to kind of see their friends and whatnot. And then the other side of it is, is this just, you know, sirens feel like every 20 minutes you hear an ambulance go by. A lot of ambulances, yes. So many ambulances, which is kind of something that is a little bit surreal to, to think about just the number of people who are, you know, in need of medical help. But it, it of course makes sense with the numbers that we're seeing from, from Cuomo and, and yes, yeah, definitely starting to, starting to feel a bit claustrophobic there. And I think looking down kind of the barrel of another six weeks of being isolated in my apartment was just a little bit, uh, overwhelming for me. So I decided to come down, stay with my girlfriend down here, who's she's kind of like a sister. We've known each other since the third grade. She's also like, she's kind of like a little mom, you know, like when we were, I was 16 and got my driver's license and she was 15 and we'd go to a party. She had her permit and I had my driver's license and my Ford F-150 and she'd always be the DD, even though she didn't have her license yet. She's like, She's just a um, responsible, a responsible, yeah, response. She's like made me five different types of bread since I've been here. Um, made pizza and going for nice long walks. We went for a hike over it, uh, the Great Falls in, in um, Virginia over the weekend. Were people out on the on the trail? You know, it's interesting. We were kind of talking about there were people out, but not in a way that felt uncomfortable um in terms of like spacing and and stuff but we were kind of talking about it was like a a pretty beautiful day it was overcast but it was probably in the like you know mid 60s and all the wildflowers are blooming um so it's definitely like a nice time to be around here there's like the cherry blossoms you know in in downtown dc or are in the middle of blooming which is gorgeous but they've shut all that down because people were kind of congregating in too large of numbers so i will say there are people out but we were having the conversation of like do you think that this many people would be out on a typical saturday coming to this park or do you think that people are coming here because we're all kind of in need of finding some space. Like maybe people typically on a Saturday would be, I don't know, going to a movie or doing something else, but because that's kind of the only activity that seems somewhat appropriate to do in public, like people are kind of doing it or, and then there's also like, you know, people who go mountain biking there, there weren't a lot of, of kind of maybe the people who would go on the more intense hikes. It was more, like casual, just people looking for space to be outdoors in. And um, did you get the the sense that you made the right decision when you were out there hiking by leaving New York? Was it like, oh, this is why I packed up my apartment, jumped in a car, 
and decided to relocate? Definitely. Definitely. I, I feel so much more at ease just being in a place with a little more space. And um, I'm actually thinking about driving to, I have an aunt who lives in Tampa who has like a four bedroom house that she's living alone in right now with a pool and lots of outdoor space. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking about doing a 12 hour drive down there. The only, <laughs> the only issue is like, okay, do I have, if I have to like use the restroom in those 12 hours, do I have to stop at a public gas station? I mean, I spoke with Kevin and Tiffany yesterday on the phone. Tiffany just said I should just be, you know, popping a squat on the side of the road <laughs> if I have to pee. Tiffany with the wise words. <laughs> yeah, which actually probably seems probably seems like the better decision than going going into some nasty gas station bathroom. Um, but it definitely does. It feels it, it, it's hard because it, it, the first couple weeks, my parents who live in California really wanted me to come back there, and my dad was kind of pushing for that. Um, you know, this is like before we really became quarantined, and I kind of felt this sense of solidarity with being in New York and being a freelance creative and wanting to kind of not obviously be, um, you know, at my client's projects or anything, but like just having a proximity to, to, I guess, normal life. Like, okay, so obviously I'm not going to go on site for a project in the next four weeks or three weeks, but it's possible that things will kind of start to open up in this very gradual manner. Right. Um, and so kind of feeling close, close enough to my clients and, and being in my apartment and making sure everything's kind of taken care of. I, that was kind of my mindset in the beginning. And then honestly, just after two weeks of being there and feeling the chaos and hearing on the news every single day that it's, we're not even, you know, we haven't even peaked yet. We're, we're ramping up to it getting worse and then it will be kind of weeks of, of that stable chaos. Um, and it just kind of felt, it felt like too much. And it also kind of felt like, and I, 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 I don't know if this is the right perspective to have, but it kind of felt like in some ways, maybe it's okay for me to not be one more person in that city right now. You know, maybe it's okay that I'm... That's how I feel. Yeah, maybe it's okay I'm not one more person going to Whole Foods. Um, the lines at Whole Foods are ridiculous anyways. It's, it's insane. And, I, and it's, it's also, it's just the chance of exposure in New York right now, doing anything that you have to do, with, like go to the grocery store or go to the bank or just you know, walking around the Karen Park to get your daily dose of fresh air, you're just at such a higher rate for being in contact with someone who's been in contact with someone who's been in contact with someone, right? It, or you could be an asymptomatic carrier yourself, and you could be the one spreading the, the COVID. Totally. Totally. I, I, I kind of think that I, I'm not that. Um, <laughs> just from 
you know, being in isolation and not having had any symptoms and, um, uh, yeah, but, but I agree. We don't really know. I mean, they say that by they, I mean, you know, little I've read that there are quite a high preponderance of people who are asymptomatic, which I think is part of the reason why it's spreading so fast because people who don't think that they're sick are able to be transmitters of the disease, which is crazy. Right. And I guess part of me then is like, so, so we've ha- we, I've been in contact with people who have had like a negative test, right. Or like I would have definitely have gotten it with, with um, like our interactions. So for him, him to have had a negative test and then I haven't seen him for, you know, three weeks. Then, and by the way, this is, <laughs> this is all very, <laughs> 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 it was, we didn't have, we didn't have sex. We just made out. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, for that to be the case, then have I like picked it up? Like how many people are picking it up from going to the grocery store and properly sanitizing their hands and wiping down their doorknobs and making sure their groceries are, you know, clean. Like, do we think that, that that's responsible and clean enough, you know? And then of course I think the social distancing in my perspective is actually the kind of, the the biggest thing is like you're more likely to get it from being in close contact with other people than you are from your groceries or from, you know, touching the buttons at the bank and then going home and washing your hands. Like, I think it's, do you agree? What, what, what do you, how do you feel about that? I don't know. And I think that, there are trends when it comes to viruses. There are th- there are scenarios that are more likely than others. But I also think that where we might fall in one like category of risk or other. Like I just feel like I'm somebody who just doesn't get sick very often, and so for whatever reason, viruses don't tend to take hold of my body. So I might have been exposed to it, but it just didn't catch. Uh, Cause you know, I, I haven't felt sick. I mean, that, I haven't been tested. So there's a chance that I have been asymptomatic or there's just a chance that I haven't been exposed or there's a chance that I have been exposed, but it just didn't, it, you know, it didn't, didn't get in there and do its thing. So I, I don't know, but I think that, you know, my biggest fear has, has been upon leaving New York is not getting sick and leaving New York. My biggest fear is leaving New York, being asymptomatic and making other people sick. Whereas being in New York, my biggest fear here is getting sick and then having it be a bad case, being forced to go to a hospital and then being in a situation where I'm in a New York hospital here at the height and it's just... It is then the the eye of that storm that everyone is talking about and reading about, and that you know I think both of our parents who are out in California right now read the news and are terrified for us, yeah, because they read they don't read about 
how boring it is. They read about how scary it is and how doctors and nurses are getting sick, you know, the frontline uh, responders. And so, I don't know. Like, I think that it's that uncertainty, that unknown, which is the weight that's carried most heavily on our shoulders. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I feel I spoke with Ian and Daisha the other night. Um, and Ian was really kind of laying into me like, what are you doing? You're spreading, spreading the virus everywhere. <laughs> it's like, I, I told him. Uh, I've, I, had, I've had those conversations. And, and I've had those conversations. I had that conversation with Michael you know, two weeks ago when I saw him like having friends over to play video games. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And I think yeah. that part, part of me at this point, because there's so much unknown. So first of all, I feel, I feel a couple ways about it. I feel like that first two weeks of being quarantined was really, really crucial for all of us in terms of minimizing the spread, right? Because that's the amount of time that they say, kind of, uh, you know, would, would allow it for, for your body to work through whatever, whatever the, the virus is doing to you. I think if I had symptoms, that would be different. Like for instance, um, you know, I have, I have two friends, um, Daisy and, and Tom who have been sick for the last, I guess, like three weeks now. Oof. And they're for the most part better um, but even like Tom was saying, you know, he, he had a fever and, and was like really low energy and had some like, you know, shallowness of breathing and, and stuff like that. And then he was feeling better. And then two days later, he was feeling worse again. So, I mean, people who are, and he's 32 and, you know, I have smoked in the past, but other than that healthy, like that's pretty intense to kind of be feeling the severity of those symptoms and be a relatively healthy young person. So, I, I mean, I don't know then what, what would be appropriate for being sick for three weeks. I think you then really need like two weeks of being non-symptomatic, right? I guess so. But again, when you, I think the interesting thing is, is when you start diving into the actual details, logistics of what you're supposed to do, and what you aren't supposed to do, none of us actually know exactly what it is. We, we understand totally. the broad strokes. We understand two weeks, 14 days, but I don't think any of us really understand 14 days from when, in, in where, in why. Like we sort of, like we understand 80% of it, 75%, but the... The fact is, is that those researchers and epidemiologists who are searching for cures and doing the modeling of the spread, they're only working on percentages also. There's not a lot of hard facts about this novel coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, the point of me going through that and kind of my point to Ian was, I think that the best that we can do is be really thoughtful about every single decision that we make, right? Like you need to weigh the pros and the cons. And of course, be thinking about your community and the people who are more susceptible to 
really being hurt by this, which are, you know, the elderly and, and people with a, a weaker immune system. Um, and frontline responders. And frontline responders. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and, and being cognizant of any time you do leave the house to go to the grocery store, being aware that you don't want to put the people there working at risk. Yes. Yes, and I'm Which very empathetic. I'm yeah, I'm very empathetic. Empathetic to to the people who have, you know, been stuck working at Whole Foods or, you know, yeah. the UPS and FedEx delivery guys who haven't really been given the right protective um, gear up until recently. I think that's a, it's really, you know, because those are the the kind of heroes that we don't really we're not seeing on our Instagram feeds all the time but are really helping us keep some sense of normalcy to our everyday lives now making sure we have our Amazon deliveries there was a headline one of the major news outlets about this being a white collar disease it's folks that have the luxury to stay at home and self quarantine are doing that but the blue collar fe- uh, fellow citizens are the ones who are still going to work and still you know, put themselves at risk. And you know, the irony is we pay our quote unquote essential workers minimum wage. And it's, uh, it's putting things, it's putting life, it's putting society in pretty clear view. And Interesting to see how we change or transform post-COVID. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was a very interesting quote. Actually, NPR had, um, I don't know, I can't pronounce her name correctly, but um, she's the author, Arundhati Roy, an Indian um, writer. And she was on NPR, I think it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. Um, but she was speaking about, which was an interesting time because I had just FaceTimed with my friend who works in and lives in Mumbai. And she was commenting on, you know, what's going on in India. And yeah, she, what's going on there? Uh, well, so my friend JP said, made an interesting point because I asked him, I was like, what, so what's going on with the cases there? And he was like, well, it could be one of three things, you know, that we haven't, we have, and this was like, again, it was a few weeks ago. So things have changed drastically, but he's like, we're reporting low cases right now, possibly because of the temperature, you know, which is something that we've always are kind of like been hopeful for that this is somehow going to be um, confined to a normal flu season, which I don't think it, it will be. The other is that there's less travel in and out of India, less kind of, international travel the way that there is in um, China and obviously New York. Um, And then the third, of course, is just that they weren't testing. And he made the comment that it was probably a combination of the three, but most likely the last. So they just haven't had, you know, the resources to test. And then um, what Anru Radi? Do you know this author? Because maybe you could pronounce her name better than I can. 
I don't know the author, but if I did, I would mangle the pronunciation to such a <laughs> well, yeah, dispiriting it, degree. It's it's her name. Her name's spelled A R U N D H A T I. Last name Roy, and um, she was telling this reporter. She was like, "You guys don't understand in the West that." Uh, self-quarantining or social distancing is actually a luxury. You know, in in cities in India where people live in such large numbers and small confined spaces, this is going to be a huge, huge problem. Um, You know, and I think that's probably a lot of what happened also in, you know, Wuhan is in China, they just live differently than we live here. They live you know, in a family unit with grandparents and babies, all kind of, you know, three to four generations of people under the same roof. Whereas we're, you know, living our, our Western world of single person in a 700 square foot studio. And I'm complaining about not having enough space. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. Um. So yeah, I, I'm not totally. I, I, to be honest, I've kind of checked out of listening to the news as consistently so as I have was. I. Yeah, kind of a necessity, I think, for <laughs> your mental health. I think like it doesn't really matter what's going on out there. All you need to do is stay inside, <laughs> and that's not really going to change in the next few days. I've been pretty comfortable having a threshold of just reading headlines and not diving deep into stories. And when I'm listening to things, it's fluff like pop culture podcasts because it's just so dispiriting. And it's lived enough experience in terms of its anxiety that I don't need to pile on with the added doom and gloom of the news. Yeah. What what podcasts have you been listening to that has been um, a good distraction or slightly uplifting? Not even uplifting. I just listened to the Ringer Podcast Network with Bill Simmons talking about basketball and his interviews with everybody from Alan Yang, the showrunner from Master of None and Parks and Recreation, or his long conversation with Eddie Vedder and one of the other members of Pearl Jam. And he just, it's very conversational podcasts, which is, I think, sort of the model that I have approached my own foray into the podcasting universe, which is just my pleasure in talking with friends, just having a conversation, hearing what's on their mind, and through that, finding out what's going on in my own head. And so when I'm doing my own listening when I'm, say, cleaning the apartment or doing dishes or tidying up, whatever it may be. I like to sit in on those conversations and just listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I, I totally agree. I haven't listened to that one. I, um, my favorite podcast, it's been for, I'd say, the last year, is um, Adam Buxton's podcast. You know who he is? I don't. He's he's an English comedian. He was like a part of um, a comedy duo, and um, 
he, anyways, it's just called the, the Adam Buxton podcast, I think. But he, it's the same thing where it's very conversationalist. It's just like, you know, either comedy friends that he's known and worked with over the years or, um, well, he grew up with um, Louis Thoreau. So he has him on and uh, Joe Cornish was his, his comedy partner. So when the three of them get on, it's very funny and just a lot of like chat and banter. Um, but then he'll go and have like different authors. He does lots of kind of music um, you know, people in the music industry. And it, so it's good because it's got a little bit of a topic, but it's more just like funny people having fun conversations. And that's that's who I want to spend time with, especially in this corona environment, because I tried to get into a little of the Ezra Klein over at Vox Media, who I usually love to hear his analysis on the big weighty issues facing the world, but it just, it kind of hurt too much. I, I'm not psychologically strong enough to work my way through that. So I don't know. I mean, will I come out of this experience dumber? Perhaps. <laughs> but I think I'll also come out a little bit more empathetic, which I think empathy is going to be, hopefully, in, at an all time high here in. 2020 in America when it seemed like it was in pretty short supply prior to this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's definitely one of the silver linings. Um, yeah, I think it's been really great to, to kind of connect with, I mean, friends, but also just like family members that I haven't spoken to for a while. I've been, talking to my cousin Katie a a few times in the last week, which has been really nice. She lives in California. She's works for Facebook and has been stuck at home, very bored. Um, And then like, you know, all these apps that are popping up house party. House party is a good time. (laughs) It is a good time. Um, I had like a nice, a nice WhatsApp FaceTime video call with, uh, my friend in Los Angeles, my friend in London, and then my friend in Mumbai while I was in New York all in, uh, you know, the middle of the day, which felt pretty special to kind of connect all of our time zones into one nice hour-long conversation. And I think that we'll take those connections with us. I really do believe that people will come out of this and be more inclined to reach out and just say, hey, when prior to COVID-19, it wasn't a priority. It wasn't something that people would default to. Let's just get on the phone and talk to each other for 15 minutes. We'd been such a texting and avoidance-based culture. And maybe we'll see a shift back to hearing the sound of each other's voices. I, I totally, and, and seeing each other's faces, I finally have gotten my dad to figure out how to use FaceTime. Like I've been living yeah. in New York for nine years and he's, you know, just now willing to figure out how to hold the phone in front of his face. He still kind of likes to hold it up 
so I see mostly his forehead, which I find <laughs> quite funny. But um, yeah, it's so nice. I've also had kind of in line with like the t- tuning out with the news. I, I had last week, I had my my aunt reaching out to me, my brother reaching out to me, um, my mom texting me to see if I could get on the phone. And I think it was kind of just having New York be in the headlines. Everyone wanted to like check in and hear what was going on. That I've also found to be a little overwhelming. You know, like I've had to say, no, I can't talk on the phone right now. Or like, if I do talk on the phone, let's talk about what's going on outside of Corona and New York, because you can only kind of replay those, those conversations, relive those conversations so many times before it starts to feel so redundant. Especially when it's just unrelenting concern and worry coming from relatives. I have found that now that my parents are out of Jackson and back in Sacramento and they're just understandably very worried about me here in New York, the conversations are significantly less interesting because it just, it's so one note. It's just like, are you doing this to get out of there? Are you doing that to get out of there? How are you going to get out of there? How are you going to get out of there? And I'm like, I I don't know. We're taking it day day at a time. But the fact is, is that in the last in the last five days or in a five day span, I've had three flights out to Sacramento get canceled that I think it's all COVID related. And it might not be feasible to fly out there and leave New York. And maybe that's a good thing. It's something that I've been wrestling with that the moral implications of taking those risks and who am I putting at risk? Am I putting myself at risk? Am I putting Amanda at risk? Am I putting everybody I get into contact with at risk? And what is my comfort level with those risks? Yeah. I, I think it's also the conversation of, of going to California is a difficult one. I, I, um, my my dad really wanted me to come home and the first kind of my reaction to him was like okay well you understand that you're within this class of people who's at risk and my dad and my my stepmom are pretty healthy people and they live with my my younger sister they live with my younger sister my little sister still lives with them um and i Ultimately, along with kind of feeling the sense of solidarity, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm more worried with that, like taking it home to them, right? Like uh, getting on an airplane right now seems a little crazy, although I know I, I read that headline the other day with a woman who's the only person on her flight, um, you know, back home and the airports are empty. So maybe there is a significantly less risk than there was a couple weeks ago. Um, I've, I've had a hard time with my parents. Have you had a hard time with your parents? Like my dad will call me and he'll be like, you know, driving to UPS to send me a package. I'm like, I don't need a package. Just stay in the fucking house, please. (laughs) Like just, just follow the rules here. Um, There is not a high priority 
in following the rules Hi. from my parents. Like it's just, it's not something that they're particularly yeah. interested in being super careful about. And yeah, it's just one of those things where. Well, they're, they're using, my dad at least is using logic. Like he's, you know, they live in Sonoma Valley and there's not very many cases there and everything's a lot more spread out. Um, he doesn't feel at high, high risk for exposure doing something like going to the grocery store, which ha- has, you know, follows a, a, a relative sense, sense of logic. But at the same time, I'm just like, but you probably just don't need to go to the grocery store. And like, I think it took him a while to even realize that he, you know, he's 67. He is in this like age that's at risk. Like, I think there's a part of him that just still thinks he's like, you know, the, he's, he's wants to go out and make sure everyone's doing okay. Make sure his workers have, have income and, um, Anyways, that's that's been one of my my stress triggers has been speaking to my dad and having him be out and about. And then also, you know, knowing that if something did happen and he did get sick, that I it's very unlikely that I would be able to see him. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the considerations. And I just... It's it's tough. And how many siblings do you have? Um, I have I have one sibling on my dad's side, my sister who's twenty one, um, and then I have uh, two sisters and a brother on my mom's side, all of whom live within a few hours of each other in in Northern California. So at least there is a support system there that could rally if you know, something were to go poorly, uh, with your parents' health, which is, there, there is, there is a, a measure of comfort there, I imagine. Absolutely. And even speaking with my stepmom, you know, where I'm like, does it seem like he's making kind of unnecessary trips? And she's like, yes, I've threatened to take his keys away, you know? So th- there's definitely and and to be fair, my dad has definitely changed his, um, you know, activities or, or amount of activities in the last couple of weeks. But that first week was kind of, I felt like for him to be freaking out about me in New York and wanting me to come home, it seemed like he was being a bit negligent about his own behavior, you know, over there. Um, but I, I will say, I think, I think California and, you know, knock on wood here, I, I think they've done a good job of, you know, Gavin Newsom, Newsom kind of shut down that state a lot quicker than we were able to, and even in New York. Um, I think there's also just kind of the infrastructure in East Coast cities where we have more public transportation. We ha- have, I mean, New York is, is the most, you know, person per capita, I think, than, than any city in the United States, I imagine, right? Yeah, for, for some. Uh, I mean, really- it- Eight million people crammed into our five tiny boroughs. Yeah, so I guess there's some some uh, benefit in in Los Angeles's sprawling traffic traffic no public transportation model at this point. It would be advantageous <laughs> to just have that 
thinner concentration of human beings. And yeah, I mean, I, I would much perf- prefer to be in Sacramento right now. And there aren't a lot of times where I've been in New York and I've made that assessment. I love New York. I'm obsessed with this place. And I'm just like, well, if I, folks have stayed in Jackson, which is a really safe place to be, and Amanda had a, and I had just gone to the empty house in Sacramento, driven around in my dad's Tesla, that would have been a pretty good look for a couple weeks. Yeah, totally. So, so your parents were in Jackson, which you guys you spend, they spend most of the winter there at this point, correct? That's correct. And then they jumped in a car at 4.15 a.m. Thursday morning and did a one-shot drive to Sacramento, which is about 13, 14 hours. And uh-huh. so it was one of those things where we couldn't go to Jackson without that car that they drove. But also, I didn't want to go out to Sacramento and actually be within 12 feet of my parents. So we didn't even have the luxury of flying to Sacramento, staying in my childhood home, because my parents were gonna be there. Like it just, the risk was too high and the reward was too low. And- Yeah, yeah. uh, Why did they leave Jackson, was was it? Because my dad was antsy. Yeah, that's that's the only reason. He just was kind of getting bored. He uh-huh. just he, and and it's that kind of mentality of hey, we're not going to, we're not going to just shelter in place and wait this out in Jackson, which is the best place to do it. And I get it, right? Because at the same time, I'm just not waiting it out in New York, or I am waiting it out in New York, but I don't want to. And so I'm empathetic to his desire to mix it up and go to Sacramento, but. Man, I would have chosen Sacramento or Jackson over Brooklyn 10 times out of 10. And now both those options are looking more and more unlikely for Amanda and I just because of the logistics of making it happen. Yeah. Well, hey, we can talk offline, but I, I'm going to be coming up to New York this week to kind of shut down my apartment. And if you guys can get a flight out of D.C., I'm happy to, to fly, you know, or someplace else. I'm happy to give you guys a ride. Got a I got mean, a Audi SUV. <laughs> that, might, that might actually be something that would be an interesting avenue. I mean, the issue actually hasn't been to get out of New York. It's all the flights going into Sacramento, which have been the most problematic, but I don't even know the, the, the back-end workings of it all. So what day are you thinking of coming up? Um, I think I'll probably head up tomorrow, and then I'll be around for just a few days. Like, I, I kind of just – I left my apartment last week and was feeling uh, like, oh, okay, maybe I just need to get out for a week. And now that I'm out, I'm like, this feels like a better place for me to be. And, and again, I – this might just be kind of my, my reasoning for myself, but, but it just seems like it, I don't need to be one more person in a city that's overloaded with people right now. And it's better for I my mental it. health, but it's also feels somewhat responsible from, from a just, you know, New York perspective. I don't know. I wish Amanda and I could just make it easily down to that four bedroom in Tampa with you. Yeah, just, I, I don't think that that's going to work for a lot of reasons, but there is a fantasy world where I ride this out poolside. I, I'm, I mean, that's exactly kind of, I'm like, if I, if I can be, and the difference is with 
honestly, the difference for me being poolside in California, which number one, the weather's not warm enough there, but uh, is the fact that I can get in a car and drive and kind of the, the ease of that versus, you know, transportation to an airport and getting on an airplane and some of the, those kind of those, I guess every little decision that we make is putting ourselves or someone at risk, right? Potentially. I think unless you have a confirmed case of COVID that you've overcome or antibodies or whatever it is, and you're free and clear, but I don't think a lot of us yet have those tests here in America, though I think in Europe, they are trying to figure out how to get people back to work who have those antibodies. Yeah, yeah, my cousin's a doctor in Florence, actually, and it's been very, she's actually, she sent me a, a few texts. I woke up to them at like four o'clock in the morning about a month ago that were like really in her like broken English message was like pretty extreme. She's like, don't underestimate this thing. Like get masks, get this kind of all of this information that, you know, we still hadn't had any sort of, um, you know, government dictating to us at that point and it kind of scared me it like really shook me and then I spoke with her again this week you know a month later three weeks later and at least for them and she in Florence wasn't wasn't hugely impacted the way other parts of Italy were but uh, even for them now they can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I think that that was a, a really nice kind of message to get from her how have you been, it sounds like, like I'm, you know, we've spoken just a couple times briefly over the last cu- couple weeks. And I would say even last week, you sounded a little bit um, better uh, for lack of a, a more <laughs> uh, uh, descriptive term, but, but I was feeling for a while, very like day to day, you know, amazingly when the sunshine was out in New York, it was kind of okay. I could sit on my fire escape. I could sit by the chair by my window, you know, get a little bit of sunshine, go for that walk every day and feel okay. Um, and then I think just in the last week for me, it just started to feel like more days that were feeling like the pressure was kind of crushing, you know, like it just started to feel so intense and claustrophobic. Do you, do you feel that way? Or are you still kind of having some days that are okay? The sunshine actually doesn't help that much because it makes me want to go outside and live my normal life. <laughs> it's when the weather is rainy or cold or nasty that I'm really happy being inside doing my shelter in place activities. And so my biggest concern is actually if, if and when the weather increases and we haven't gotten over that hump what my emotional mental life was going to be like if i am stuck inside and it's beautiful out because that's where it throws into sharpest contrast how limited i feel and how limited we are so it's a little counterintuitive but yeah well i i was thinking i would feel that way too and then something about just having some sunshine has really improves my mood greatly um you do want to be out in it but 
I think the space is just, it, the space is a difficult thing. And, and I think the chaos and pressure in New York is, is really starting to wear, wear on New Yorkers. Yeah, that's why, that's why I want to get out of here. But, you know, the, the one thing is that I've been very lucky to get a lot of exercise and it's now approaching one o'clock and I think I'm going to do a yoga at one with Amanda and I know that every time I've gotten my indoor exercise in I felt immensely better immediately after and that sustains for the rest of the day and so I think that's where I'm going to have my little pivot point of the day that's but good I, I like this we're leaving it on a high <laughs> note CK is going to go yeah. exercise with his hot girlfriend Th- that's exactly what I'm going to do <laughs> and you know the, the, the sense is that Every time I record on these podcasts, like we're always going to have this extended dialogue journal entry. There's going to come a time, I don't know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where I'm just going to put this on and be like, huh, what was I thinking? And what was Anana thinking? And what were we thinking together? And there really are some nice benefits from it creating these little documents that will give us a really clear snapshot into who we are and what we were doing during this really crazy time. I totally agree. And I've, I've enjoyed listening to them. I haven't gotten through all of them, but um, I think as much as there's probably some redundancy in all of these conversations as we're exploring uh, what's going on and where are we going from here, I think it's it's um, helpful. It's kind of like therapy to just sit and listen. Oh, and it's very therapeutic to take part in them as well. All right. Well, let's talk offline about uh, getting you guys out of New York. I really appreciate that. Until then, stay safe and be well. You too. Bye.